Today on the Matt Wall Show, uh, some states are coming out of lockdowns while other states are extending the lockdowns for no medically or scientifically justifiable reason. What's one thing that the extension states seem to mostly have in common? Well, they're run by Democrats. What does that tell us? We'll talk about that. Also, five headlines, including NASA's plan to intentionally create a meteor shower by slamming something into an asteroid. They're going to be doing this soon. Should we be concerned about that? Also, uh, CNN is bringing Greta Thunberg on to their expert coronavirus panel, which is going to air tonight. Uh, is she really an expert in anything? My answer to that may actually surprise you. And in our daily cancellation, I will finally be canceling the hero worship of nurses. Uh, I suspect this segment will get me into a little bit of trouble. We'll get to that all coming up. But first, uh, I want to tell you about our friends, the Benham Brothers. You know, uh, one thing we're going to also talk about in the news segment is the unemployment rate. Um, which continues to go up uh, dramatically every single week. The effect that obviously these shutdowns have had on small businesses has been has been catastrophic, which is why it's never been more important if you're a business owner to manage your business, your workforce, and your workflow really well. Systems are always important. They're crucial right now. The Benham Brothers are great at this. These guys have over a dozen businesses, including a real estate empire that spans 35 states. Um, just a few weeks ago, the Benham Brothers launched a new podcast called Expert Ownership. And in their new podcast, the Benham Brothers interview leaders from all walks of life to help you navigate your business during these crucial times, these challenging times. Um, you'll hear from leaders like Senator Ted Cruz, Al Robertson from Duck Dynasty, many more. Uh, so you can go check out their new podcast. I would definitely recommend it. I've listened to it myself. It's great. Uh, very informative. Expert Ownership is the podcast. And be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. We'll drop a link to their podcast in our show description. Again, that's expert ownership. Go check it out right now. All right. Um, so let's take a look around. The state of Michigan under Empress Whitmer, a Democrat, extended its stay-at-home order at least until the end of May. At least. Pennsylvania under Emperor Wolf, Democrat, extended its stay-at-home order into June. Um, California under Emperor Newsom, a Democrat, has a state home order in place indefinitely until they get to a point where they go two weeks without anyone dying of coronavirus, which is another way of saying their state home order is in place forever, um, it would seem. Wisconsin under uh, Emperor Tony Evers, a Democrat, tried to extend its state home order, but the state Supreme Court just struck it down, which is great. Thank God. By the way, Wisconsin has had 418 coronavirus deaths total. That's it this whole time in three months, 418. And the governor wanted to keep the stay-at-home order in place. Now, you can't help but notice something about these states and the rest of the states that are extending their lockdowns rather than ending them. You can't help but notice that mostly these are states run by Democrats. Now, I've never been a conspiracy theorist on this whole thing. Now, the, the idea that these lockdowns uh, were originally conceived purely as a way to wreck the economy in order to destroy Trump's re-election chances, you know, I didn't, I didn't buy that, and I still don't. Now, for one thing, Republican governors were doing it too, and for another, Trump himself has been on board with it. So, um, now he's vacillated the whole time and been quite indecisive, but if it was nothing but a plot against him, and he was himself a part of it and cheering it on and approving of it, then that would make him either politically suicidal or the dumbest dupe in the history of dumb dupes. But I don't think that's the case. I think originally there was fear, uh, panic, incompetence, 
a total lack of clarity, a total lack of any kind of plan. And in the midst of all that, these little would-be dictators, these petty tyrants, found an opportunity to exert the kind of control that they've always wanted to exert. It's the whole reason they got into politics. We have to remember the reason most people get into politics is because they want to control people. They want to be in charge. Uh, they're narcissists. The vast majority of people. I mean, there's all, that's, that's the only motivation you could have aside from a deep and sincere desire to serve people. Okay, and, and maybe in the history of politics, there have been like three people who actually got into it for that reason. Everybody else is because they're narcissists and they want to control people. So um, they like the power. You know, they, they, as the lockdowns continued, they discovered they get a lot of power. They liked controlling every aspect of everybody's lives. They liked doing, as all the governors have done, the, the, their you know, daily press conferences and, and having everybody watch. And they liked having their citizens who really now felt like their citizens, not citizens of the state or the country, but citizens, their citizens. Um, they liked having them hang on every word, you know, their every decree. And that, I believe, explains how the lockdown started and why it continued. But now, as the curve has been flattened, and as many states in the country, most states, in fact, never had a coronavirus emergency, and in fact, uh, have been plagued with sort of the opposite, with empty hospitals and laid off hospital staffs this whole time, not to mention millions of unemployed and laid off citizens in other sectors of the economy. Um, now, as we inch closer to the election, we're going to see politics play a much bigger role than it did perhaps at the beginning. Whereas it was a bunch of governors having ego trips at the beginning, Republican and Democrat. Now the political calculations really start to take hold. We are in a precarious um, and volatile situation as a country right now. Truly unlike anything in recent history, at least. You know, um, coming out or continuing in these lockdowns with a presidential election only months away. And that's an election that was already going to be itself extremely volatile, even more than normal, just based on the sheer hatred that Trump's have, enemies have for him. And so, of course, you know, Democrats are going to say to themselves, well, if we open up and everything turns out okay, and the economy starts to climb back and, uh, and, every, and, and, and recover, Trump is going to get credit for that. From their perspective, going into an election after having survived a pandemic on the upswing, in recovery, optimism, hope, relief, all of that, that's not good politically. It's just not. That's not the mood. That's not the attitude you want if you're challenging the incumbent. You want fear, despair, anger, hopelessness. And there is just no way at, that, at, at this point, there is just no way that that isn't part of the calculation for these Democrats. I mean, just look at what's happening in Los Angeles um, under their Democrat mayor. Lockdown extended three months. Uh, the mayor announced yesterday that all residents in the city have to wear a mask whenever they leave their homes. For any reason, no matter where they're going. Even, you know, even if they're going to be outside the whole time, walking around the block, checking the mailbox, you need a, you need a mask. He, quote, reopened the beaches. But let, let's take a look at what his reopening of the beaches entails. Um, and I know I should be used to this craziness by now, but this is just, let's take a look. I'll show you this. Um, and in fact, before we do that, 
I want to tell you about our sponsors, Policy Genius. Um, life is uh, very unpredictable all the time, especially now. I think uh, we, we, we have all discovered that. And as an insurance marketplace, Policy Genius take, talks a lot about how un- unpredictable the future is. And that's why insurance exists in the first place. Um, right now, life is unpredictable and kind of scary. That, that's kind of always how it is. You never know exactly what's going to happen. But there are enough brands out there telling you how we're all in this together. Instead, here's Policy Genius's top three unpredictably positive things from April. April. Um, thousands of dogs and cats across America have found new homes. Everyone's a baker now. Fresh bread is the, is the best smell ever. And people across the world are acting with kindness, compassion, and heroism. Um, and that's where Policy Genius, that's what Policy Genius is all about. Policy Genius compares quotes from the top life insurance companies in one place. It just takes a few minutes to compare quotes from the top insurers to find your best price. This doesn't just save a lot of legwork. You could also save $1,500 or more a year by using Policy Genius to compare life insurance quotes. So if you're one of the many people looking to buy life insurance right now, but you're not sure where to start, head to policygenius.com. Policy Genius will uh, find you the best rate, handle the price, the process completely. You can stop worrying about life insurance and get back to you know, living your life, baking your own bread, whatever it is, policygenius.com. All right, so here's the mayor of LA. Here's what he, uh, his, his tweet uh, with his order pertaining to the beaches. It says, LA beaches reopen today for active recreation only, such as swimming, surfing, running, and walking. No gathering is allowed, and activities such as sunbathing and group sports are not permitted. You must wear a face covering and maintain six feet of distance from others. Okay, so you can't bike, but you can run. You can't sit, but you can walk. You can't picnic, but you can surf. Does any of this make any sense? Is there any medical or scientific justification for any of this? Of course not. I mean, really look at this. Soak this in for a minute. Because honestly, it's it's not very often that you're going to see a sitting listed as a prohibited activity on a beach. That, that doesn't happen very often. So what is the point of this? Telling people they have to wear a mask at the beach when there's no evidence that the virus can be transmitted in that environment. And even if it could, it's the beach. It's very big. That's the thing about the beach. Uh, It's very easy to maintain social distance at the beach. I used to live at a beach town. And I can tell you, even at its height, even at the busiest part, you know, July 4th, uh, tourist season, you could still easily go to, there's a lot of people at the beach, you could still easily go to the beach and not come within six feet of another person. Because there's a lot of space. So even if the virus could, could be effectively spread outside at the beach, which it doesn't seem that it can, even if it could, None of this would make sense. Least of all, would it make sense to tell people they can't sit down and relax? Especially if you want people to maintain social distance. The easiest way at the beach to maintain social distance is to, is to pick a spot, set up your, uh, your towel and, and umbrella, and that's your spot. That's the easiest way to stay away from other people. If you're telling them they have to keep moving, it's going to be a lot harder. So what's the point? I think it's obvious that uh, first of all, these petty tyrants don't want to give up the power. They don't want to give up the crisis. And also, they don't want to send a message of optimism and recovery and normalcy going into an election with a Republican incumbent. I think it's uh, as simple as that. One other point, though, about this, um, 
this whole thing of you know social distancing and everything. I, and, and this is a really obvious point that shouldn't need to be made, but I'm going to make it anyway because apparently it does. Um, and I was thinking about this especially because I want to. Sh- here's another picture I want to show you. This is something that someone posted approvingly on online, and it's a, a picture from a, a German cafe. And this is what this German cafe is doing to enforce social distancing. I've actually seen this before. So there are other places that are doing this. And you see they have their people, their patrons, um, their customers wearing uh, hats with with pool noodles attached. So that they'll, somehow that's supposed to help them maintain social distance. Because of course, you know, when you're sitting down at a place and there's hot coffee and everything and and, and drinks and, and food. Yeah, the best thing you want to do is have people with pool noodles hanging off of them, right? What could possibly go wrong? But not only is something like that embarrassing and emasculating and absurd and stupid, um, but it's also totally pointless. This is not necessary. We don't need to think of creative and, and patronizing ways to get people to maintain social distance. We don't need all these complicated rules at the beach. You can do this. You can do that. You got to wear a mask, right? We don't need any of that. It's People understand the concept of giving each other space. And almost everybody is more than happy to do it. It's not hard. That's all you got to say. We don't need any of the rest of this stuff. All you got to say is, hey, look, just give people some space, okay? That's all you got to say. And almost everybody is more than happy to do that. Even without the coronavirus, people are more than happy to do that. You don't have to tell people twice to give each other space at the beach. They want space. I mean, you're, it's, it's not like people are running up and, and uh, you know, kissing strangers on the mouth for the most part, unless it's spring break. Um, but families at the beach, that's not what they're doing. They're going with their own family. They want their own little space, and that's fine. You know, I mentioned I was out with my wife on uh, for Mother's Day. We were out with the family. We were at a Haver de Grace in, in Maryland, which is a small little town on the bay, historic town, and there's a lighthouse, and there's you know, uh, as a, like a little boardwalk and stuff. And, and we were there. Uh, it was very busy, you know, because it's Mother's Day. It would always be busy. But especially now, people don't have anywhere else to go. So there's a lot of people there. And, um, but there was no complicated, nobody was wearing pool noodles on their head. People weren't wearing masks um, unless they were going into a, a store. They weren't wearing them outside. There was no complicated procedure in place. There were no cops patrolling the area telling us what to do. And yet, we figured out how to just enjoy ourselves and walk around and have a normal time without, while also giving each other space. Not hard to do. People can figure that out. That's what most people do anyway. Okay? When, when we're walking by someone on the boardwalk, it's not like there's a moment of panic and confusion and we don't know what to do, so one of us just jumps into the water. No, it's just, okay, we, we clear some space and we just keep walking. That's it. Just move over, keep walking. That's all you need to do. We don't need any of the rest of this. It's as simple as that. Okay, let's go to the uh, to uh, headlines. But before we go to headlines, um, I want to tell you about our friends Paint Your Life. Uh, you know, having nice artwork on the wall of your home can be a game. It's what it's what makes your house a home. I think it's what diff- at least for me. That's when when I went from living in the bachelor pad to actually living in a real house with a family. Uh, you know, one of the ways you could tell is the 
there's not as much beer in the fridge for one thing, but also there's artwork on the on the walls. And um, paint your life. You know, you can get beautiful artwork that's also meaningful to you. If you're looking for a way to feel connected to loved ones when you can't be near them, you've got to try PaintYourLife.com. You get a professional hand-painted portrait created from any photo of yours um, at a truly affordable price. This is a user-friendly platform. It lets you order a custom-made hand-painted portrait in less than five minutes. It's very easy to order. Uh, it's very affordable considering the quality of work that you're getting. And it's, they're also very, I did this myself. We're very happy with the painting we got. We have it hanging in our living room. And uh, they're very responsive throughout the entire process. The artist, and it's a real artist, okay, it's, this is not a, a, a Photoshop thing. The artist who's making your painting will communicate with you. And if you want to change something, if you want to go back and forth, you can do that. Very simple, very responsive. At PaintYourLife.com, there's no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money is refunded, guaranteed. And right now, as a limited time offer, get 20% off your painting. That's right, 20% off and free shipping. To get this special offer, text the word MATT to 64000. That's MATT to 64000. Text MATT to 64000. Paint your life. Celebrate the, the moments that matter most. Okay, the new jobless report is out. Uh, this is tradition now, of course. The sad tradition now. Every Thursday. Every Thursday at 8.30 in the morning is when the jobless numbers come out. And I know that now. Uh, it's sad that I know it, but I do. Three million additional unemployed people last week. That brings the official number to 35 million. A little more than 35 million. 35 million. Okay. Now think about this for a minute. Think about what the number means. Because let's look, let's look at this optimistically. As optimistically as we can. Let's say, and I'm pulling this number out of thin air, but let's say very optimistically in a dream fantasy scenario, 80% of the people who lost their jobs since this all began are, hire, are hired back in the next few months. Um, let's say that we can recover 80% of those losses. That's about as optimistic as we could possibly be, I think. And, and, and even that isn't going to happen. But no rational person thinks that 90 or 100% of people are going to be hired back. My point, though, is that even if it was 80% who were hired back, that would still leave 7 or 8 million unemployed people. And under normal circumstances, if we had shed 8 million jobs in two months, that would be seen as a crisis, as, a, as, a, as an economic crisis. And now, though, it's like the dream. It's the hope. It's the best case scenario. Now, my point isn't to panic anyone or to make us uh, feel hopeless, especially if you don't have a job right now. But I think we need to be realistic about what we're heading into. Number two, um, a little bit of positivity here. Let's get away from the doom and gloom for a moment. With the lockdowns and everything, you know, one of the good things is that nature is healing itself. Nature is uh, returning to its old glory reclaiming its territory as the era of human civilization draws to a close mercifully. So here's a great example. This is footage out of California yesterday. Watch this. It's very beautiful. The goats have returned. The wild goats have returned, as the prophecy foretold. Beautiful. Actually, I have no idea what's happening in that video. No clue. But I saw it, and it was... Interesting. So there it is. Number three, um, as if we didn't have enough on our plate, we are now told that NASA has launched a mission called DART. That's the Double Asteroid Redirection Test Mission. And the idea is to slam into an asteroid on purpose. 
intentionally creating a meteor shower. That's what they're going to do. And this will be the first human-caused meteor shower in history. What, I mean, what, what could possibly be the drawback there, right? They're telling us it will be harmless. That's what they're saying. But I mean, it seems like there are a lot of variables here, a lot of unknowns. The idea is to test their ability to redirect an asteroid in case one ever really does threaten Earth. But, but you know, my thing is, though, first of all, can we stop and have a conversation about whether we'd actually want to redirect an asteroid if it was going to slam into Earth and kill us all? I'm just saying, there are two sides of that argument, and I think we should have a discussion about it. That's it. Second, I was at the lake with my kids the other day, and I threw, I threw a rock to skip it across the, the lake, and I almost hit a baby goose in the face by accident. I didn't. The goose was okay, but I almost did. My point here in this parable is that disaster almost struck when I threw a rock into a lake that I was standing right in front of. Now we're going to launch a, a missile at an asteroid millions of miles away that's traveling hundreds of thousands of miles an hour intending to redirect it while planet Earth stands precariously in its path. I just, I don't know. Makes me a little uncomfortable. Four, and tonight, um, watch out for this. CNN is hosting a town hall on the coronavirus, and there's going to be an expert panel. Here is the expert panel. Take a look. You see, uh, so we've got a couple of former bureaucrats in, on the panel, so that's great. And then, yes, Greta Thunberg. Greta Thunberg, the 16-year-old, is on a panel of coronavirus experts. Now, lots of people are making fun of CNN for this, saying, you know, she's not an expert. She's just, she's just a kid who thinks that the, we're all going to drown next week. Uh, that doesn't really make her an expert in anything, especially not a virus. And that's true. But look at the name of this event. This is what people are missing. In defense of CNN, which I would rarely offer defenses of CNN, uh, look at the name. It says, Coronavirus Facts and Fears. I mean, Greta Thunberg is indeed an expert on fear. She's an expert on feeling fear. She's an expert on spreading it. So actually, I think she does belong on the panel. Okay, uh, number five, finally, here is a video that's going viral right now online. Um, it is reportedly footage of a confrontation between a woman, uh, a woman, a mother with, with, her, with a toddler at, uh, at the subway station in New York. Confrontation between her and police. And reportedly, what started all this is that she wasn't wearing a face mask correctly. And then here's what happened next. Right, yes, because, uh, you know, if you're concerned about germs being spread, uh, the most sensible thing to do is to throw somebody onto the ground on the floor of a subway station and then dogpile on top of them. That's, that's, that's going to be a good way to stop the spread of germs, isn't it? Now, I mean, you, you could say we don't, have, we don't have all the context here. We don't know exactly what happened. That's fine. Uh, she, was, she was arguing with the police. She wasn't uh, submitting, uh, you know, like a good little citizen. And, and fine, that's all true, too. But... Um, we're going to see more and more of this, and you just you can't expect people to tolerate being harassed by police over issues like this. Uh, and this is not how the police department should be used. 
um, you know, people, th- th- this is this is not a, a woman who's on a, you know, with her with her to- toddler at the subway station. This is not the kind of dangerous criminal that we want cops to be chasing after. Uh, and the other thing is, you know, I understand, and I've gotten plenty of, e- I've read some of the emails, I think, from some of the police officers that have written to this show and have said anonymously that they are, you know, they don't like having to enforce these rules. They don't support them. The last thing they want to do when they get up in the morning and, and, and they go into their job, they don't want to go down and, and, and start policing people for how they're wearing their face masks or if they're not social distancing correctly. It's not, that's not the, the kind of thing. It's, it's not why you got into the police force in the first place is to enforce laws like that. And and I understand that. So the cops are in a tough spot too. But the um, the we're just following orders excuse only goes so far. And I think we've reached its limit, personally. Okay, let's go to your daily cancellation. Um, I'm going to be canceling the hero worship of nurses. I think it's it's time to cancel this, finally. I'm not canceling nurses themselves, because I, you know, I, I like nurses. I respect what they do. They have an important job. Um, but all I'm asking for is a little bit of perspective and a little bit of common sense. That's all. So look at this tweet from NBC News 10 in New York. Uh, it's a picture of a bunch of nurses holding a sign, and the caption reads, Healthcare heroes. This morning, we're honoring a group from the United Memorial Center. They work in the Lipson Cancer and Infusion Center in Batavia. Batavia, I don't know how to pronounce that. Um, their message, we stay here for you. You stay home for, for us. Thank you for keeping us safe and healthy. Okay. So, first thing. Again, I respect healthcare workers. I appreciate what they do. It's a necessary job. And generally, in my own personal experience, either as a patient or or when my kids have been patients um, or another family member, I've generally been impressed with the nurses that I've dealt with. Uh, And that's why I said I've always liked nurses. But this thing where we call every nurse a hero is just silly. And it cheapens the word hero. And it's patronizing. Um, these people in the picture, they work at a cancer center in upstate New York. That's great. I'm glad they do it. It's very important work. I don't think, though, going into your cancer center in upstate New York is an act of heroism. I, I just, I don't. I don't think it requires immense courage to do it. You, you know, going into the middle of an epi- uh, going into the middle of the epicenter of an epidemic specifically to work with infected people, yes, that I will call heroic, certainly. But just going to do your job um, at your local hospital is, is not heroic. It's your job, and you're paid to do it. That's not heroism. And that's not an insult either. I'm not insulting you. I'm just saying the word hero has, should have meaning, and it loses its meaning when we just apply it to anybody who wears scrubs and works at a hospital. And that's the other thing, too, saying it's their job. Well, what they're telling us in that, in that sign, they're saying, stay home and we'll stay here for you. Yeah, well, it's easy for you to say. You get paid to stay there. There are 35 million people who aren't getting paid anymore and would like to because they'd like to feed their families, feed their kids. There are 35 million people who, who had jobs like you, also had important jobs, okay? I mean, anyone's job is important, at least to them and their families. 
And there are many other kinds of jobs out there that are important to communities too. And um, a lot of those people, a lot of those people, don't have jobs anymore. And and so and they would like to. So I'm sorry, but it comes across as selfish for nurses to say, "Oh, all you people stay home for our sake." What? What kind of? Who says that anyway? Who says that? Who just declares that to millions of people? All of you stay home. Stay home for us. Here's what I need you to do for us. Stay home, be unemployed. If you need to go and get in a bread line, then do that. But otherwise, stay home. Do it for me. How is that not an insanely selfish, not to mention tone-deaf message? And it doesn't get any less selfish or less tone-deaf just because nurses are saying it. You know what would be a selfless and inspiring message? Here's what I would like. This would inspire me. And this, I would think, would be selfless from a nurse. If the nurses were to say, hey, you out there, go out and live your life, go to your job, feed your kids, take care of your, of, of, of your business, do what you need to. If you get sick, we'll be here for you. Now, now, that's a nice message. That's an encouraging message. Not stay home. Stay home unemployed while we work. Of course, I mean, that's been the message from the media, too. So that's a common message these days. But uh, it doesn't become uh, suddenly virtuous or valiant because nurses are saying it. Um, And, 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 you know, by the way, also, there there are a lot of people who have been, who have medical problems and and symptoms and have been staying home as they've been instructed to. and, um, And they shouldn't be because they should be. They should be going to the doctor. And they're not. I mean, think about how many cancer, how many cancers have gone undiagnosed because of this. That's a whole other aspect of the shutdown. Um, now, we're going to go to some emails, but before we do, I want to take a moment to tell you about Daily Wire's newest, most exclusive membership tier, All Access. The All Access membership tier is our premier level of membership. All Access members get to participate in All Access Live, uh, our brand new interactive programming feature um, where one of us Daily Wire hosts hang out with you each night at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Michael Knowles will be hosting tonight, so get excited for that. All Access members also get to join uh, join us for live exclusive online Q&As, um, Daily Wire's new discussion feature, which is available on both the website and the Daily Wire app. They also get the benefit of other membership tiers, including an ad-free website experience, access to all of our live broadcasts and show library, access to the show's mailbags, um, and the full three hours of the Ben Shapiro Show, all that stuff you get. So head over to dailywire.com slash subscribe to join Daily Wire's all-access club with a new membership or an upgrade and get 10% off with coupon code Walsh. That's dailywire.com slash subscribe. See you there. All right, let's go to a few emails here. And again, if you become a Daily Wire member, you can always have access to the mailbag and send emails that way. This is from Tim. says, hey, Matt. I just recently became a Daily Wire member, came for Ben, staying for Matt. Just wanted to get your thoughts on Biden calling out Trump for not wearing a mask when going out in public. I feel that the president is trying to portray strength and show that he isn't afraid. Considering he gets tested frequently and masks are better for protecting others, this seems like just another feeble attempt to blame Trump for everything. Since when is it wrong for a president to show some courage? Thanks for all you do. Yeah, I agree with you, Tim. I, I have no problem with, the tr- with, with Trump not wearing a mask. Um, as you said, everyone around him is getting tested constantly, and he's getting tested constantly, as he should be. So, uh, I, I and and if he's, you know, if he's standing, 
you know, if he's walking around or something or he's giving a, a press conference. I mean, I don't know how you give a press conference in a mask anyway. And so I, I don't have an issue with that. And I kind of agree. I think it would send the wrong message personally to have him walking around in a mask all the time. I think we, we have to remember, you know, a lot of these politicians that are wearing masks, they're just doing it for show. And no, I, I don't, I don't support, I don't support wearing a mask as a fashion statement or to virtue signal or just doing it for show. I mean, all these people on social media, Facebook and Twitter and stuff, their, their profile pictures now are them in masks. You know, did you need to wear a mask while you took a profile picture? No, you didn't. You just want to show off that you're wearing a mask and you're being responsible. I, as I've said before, when it comes to the mask thing, if, if, if a store requires a mask for entry, I'll wear the mask. No problem. It's their right to require it. I got no issue with that. If that's what they need to do, to get going again and to and to you know to to operate, and if that's what we need to do to get the economy going, perfectly fine. But um, no, uh, this idea that you need to just wear—we all need to be wearing masks all the time everywhere—is absurd. Let's see. This is from um, Sean. Says, "Dear Matt, you've confessed to it, so I'll just ask: When you and Clavin are trespassing on private property construction sites during your Bob Villa LARPing sessions, when you left the private property you had no business being in, and you are immediately confronted by an armed neighbor who demands you stop and explain what the hell you were doing in that house, what would your reaction be? One, stop, apologize profusely, and explain yourself. Or two, fight the neighbor to the death for his gun. Ask Clavin what his answer is, too, please. Uh, yeah, this is or no, that's from. That might have been from Jason. It's either from Jason or Sean. I lost the name. Anyway, whoever, whoever sent that email. Uh, what he's referring to is... Now, I can't speak for Clavin. I don't know what Clavin's stance is on this. So I'm not going to speak to that. But I, you know, I, I mentioned that when people are talking about with, with Arbery and the fact that he was on a construction site, again, I don't know why he was on the site. Okay, Maybe he was a burglar. The homeowner says that nothing was stolen. That, to me, is significant. But uh, who knows what he was doing there? He could have had sinister motivations. I don't know. But it doesn't have to be sinister. I, I, I can imagine a scenario where somebody would go on a construction site not intending to steal anything just to kind of check it out. Now, I have done that myself. I'm not, I don't go out and do it every day. I'm not, I'm not running, you know, uh, driving around looking for construction sites to trespass on, but there have been times in my life when I've been walking by uh, something under construction, I stopped to take a look. I've done that. I thought it was kind of normal. I thought it was something that guys do sometimes. Apparently not. From the reaction I've gotten, apparently it's not normal. Okay, I'll admit that. Um, So I have been guilty of that in the past, of trespassing. Uh, Now, to answer your question, let's say I stop, I look at a construction site, and as I'm leaving, a guy runs up with a gun to confront me. What would I do? The, the first answer is, I don't know. Because I think you can't, ex- you, you can't really know what you would do in that situation until you're in it. But I think there's a very good possibility that I would run. Because I don't know who this guy is. I don't know what his intention is. I don't know if he's crazy and he's about to shoot me for being on a construction site. And yeah, I shouldn't have been on it. But that doesn't mean I'm going to offer myself to be shot. Okay, so yes, I I might well run, which is what Arbery apparently did originally. So from what we from 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 how we understand the situation now, it seems as though originally confronted, he ran. 
They chased him down, parked their car in the middle of the road to head him off. One guy's on the street with a gun. Another guy's up on the truck bed with a gun. And so it's only in that second interaction, if we can call it that, that Arbery decided rather than flee, he was going to fight. I could see myself doing that too, frankly. You know, the person confronts you with a gun. You don't know if they're crazy and they're going to kill you. So you just, you just, and you don't really want to stick around and find out. So you run. You know, I think when someone confronts you with a gun, running is a pretty understandable reaction. Even if you're a burglar. I mean, let's say that I was on the construction site burglarizing it. Let's say I was there stealing power tools or something. Um, and then somebody runs up with a gun. I'd still run. I'm probably not going to just stop and say, oh, you got me. Do what you will. I deserve it. I'm probably going to run because I don't want to die. Um, and then that second time, when you, see, when you see that scene, they're, they're, they're parked in the middle of the freaking street with guns. Uh, yeah, you might think at this point, okay, these people really want to kill me. And, and now I gotta, now it's a, it's, a, it's a fight to the death. I, I could see someone making that calculation. I could. I mean, you say, Jason or Sean, whoever you are, that you can't, you can't see that, you don't understand it. All right, I, I guess I'll take your word for that. But to me, it doesn't seem that unreasonable. Uh, it, it doesn't seem that unreasonable to conclude when people are coming after you with guns that they might want to kill you. I, I think that's a logical conclusion. I don't know. Burglar or not, that's my point. Whether he's a burglar or not. This is from Steve. Uh, says, hello, Mr. Walsh. I'm not sure if you'll get this or not, uh, but I'll keep it short. A 77-year-old barber here in Michigan is being railroaded by the Michigan State AG and our governor. He chose to go back to work at the barbershop he owns because he was broke and had no other choice. They tried to shut him down and issue citations. He, won't, he, he won in a court case. The judge chose the state... Uh, could not file a temporary restraining order. So because they lost in court, they simply chose to pull his license with no due process. Maybe if enough people find out about this, we can help him out. I'm a big fan. If you can't, if you can't talk about it or don't have time, I understand. Really love your show. Thank you for your time. Uh, I hadn't heard about this case. Thanks for passing it along. I'll look into it. I mean, that sounds completely outrageous, uh, but it's, it also doesn't surprise me with what's happening up there in Michigan. So, um, yeah, thanks for passing it along. And... I will. Uh, I'll, I'll look into that. I think we're going to see. We're going to see a lot of that. I mean, you look in Wisconsin. Like I mentioned, they tried. The governor tried to extend the stay-at-home order. State Supreme Court shut it down. Thank God. Said he's not allowed to do it. Well, you know, I, I, is the is the are these petty tyrants going to give up that easy and say, okay, fine? No, they're going to find other ways around it to control people. And so I think we're going to see a lot more of this. Thanks for passing that along. We'll leave it there for today. Thanks for watching, everybody. Godspeed. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, and The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Wall Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Our technical producer is Austin Stevens, edited by Danny D'Amico, and our audio is mixed by Robin Fenderson. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production, copyright Daily Wire 2020.
Hey everyone, it's Andrew Claven, host of The Andrew Claven Show. Obamagate continues to spread and so do various overbearing lockdowns in various Democrat states. It's time to teach the left what resistance really looks like. We will talk about it on The Andrew Claven Show.